This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about Chinese and or Lunar New Year food traditions. We are. And we're also featuring our very first guest. Guest? People will actually talk to us. Oh, I never had any idea that this day would come. And two guests, actually, not even just one. Yeah. So (laughs) this is a big episode for us. (laughs) It really is. Um, uh, Yeah, uh, Joe McCormick and Robert Lamb of Stuff to Blow Your Mind are going to join us later on in the episode to share some um, some of their experiences and research. Yes, because they have episodes coming out very differently themed Yes, about Lunar New Year, and we might probably are going to appear on their show. So, yeah, we're, we're working together. We we're are. having fun. Uh-huh. Um, I love Lunar New Year and or Chinese New Year. And or Spring Festival. It has many names <laughs> because almost all of the lucky foods have like wordplay involved, making them sort of edible puns. Which is the best. Yeah, it's a it's a highly pun-related holiday. So much so. And, I mean, there's even added layers of color and shape. There's a lot going on here. Yeah. And I did have the fortune, the good fortune, to spend Chinese New Year in China a couple of years ago. And um, at the time, I celebrate it in the U.S. Like, like I 
kind of just use it as an excuse to go get dim sum. Oh, well, that's any excuse to get dim sum is a good one. Oh, it's excellent. And I see like the dances. We have a bit of a Chinatown in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, But that was my only experience with it. And when I was in China, I realized what a big deal it is. And I had a great time, even though I was shocked that everything was closed (laughs) all of a sudden. (laughs) I didn't know it was coming. Um, but yeah, I've, um, I enjoy celebrating it. I've never, I've never celebrated myself, but, uh, but it sounds completely amazing. And I've had a lot of the foods associated with it and they're all top, top notch. Yes. I have a celebration planned for us. Oh no. Oh, excellent. Ah, Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's dive in here. Lunar New Year, as we said, often called Chinese New Year or Spring Festival. It's coming up. I believe it's February 16th. And this year is the year of the dog. Uh, specifically, it is an earth dog year. Oh, mm-hmm. I am an earth dragon, by oh, the way. I'm a water dog. <laughs> I love she put her hand <laughs> on her hip when she said it. It was very official. It goes by a bunch of other names, too. Um, Aside Viet- from just Chinese New Year, yes. Yes, um, Vietnamese Tet, Tibetan Losar, and Korean Solnal. Oh, and that this year thing, since it's based on a lunisolar calendar... Where it falls varies each year. Yeah. The first new moon of the Chinese lunar calendar marks the beginning of the lunar new year, and it lasts for 15 days until the first full moon of the lunar calendar. The beginning typically falls between January 21st and February 20th on Western calendars, which is why if you're born in those months, you you have to kind of go look up when you were born to find out what animal you are in the zodiac. Ah. Because it might vary. Because it might vary, sure. Mm-hmm. And this is a celebration that is chock full of traditions. Mm -hmm. The Lunar New Year has been around quite a while. Astronomical records inscribed on oracle bones, that's so cool, um, put it at at least 14th century BCE and Shang Dynasty around that time. Uh, So modern concepts of spring festival celebration are combinations of these thousands of years of rituals and are influenced by by Taoism and Confucianism and Buddhism. And of course, every family celebrates a little bit differently. Of course, we're going to be giving you kind of a generally what goes on, but it's very specific for family. Of course. And in different countries. Um, This is a food show, so we're going to focus mainly on those types of traditions. Weird. Yeah, but... (laughs) Briefly, here are some non-food traditions in history. Ten days before Lunar New Year Day, New Year's Day, I should say, something called a sweeping of the grounds takes place. And this is sort of a deep clean of the house to get rid of any bad luck that might be hanging around. Mm -hmm. Something I read from Columbia University and some other places, but primarily there, said that in a lot of Chinese homes, there's a portrait of a kitchen god, or perhaps calligraphy for the kitchen god's name, who takes note throughout the year of your cleanliness, your wastefulness, and the kindness throughout the year. What, what do you say to strangers when they come in? Um, at year's end, he will report his findings to the Jade Emperor. Uh, the Jade Emperor being a deity who rules over the heavenly domain and heads the heavenly court, similar a little bit to a human emperor on Earth. And so your, your hearth or stove or kitchen god is sort of the, the heaven's micro-local bureaucratic outpost. <laughs> exactly. And as the lunar year is drawing to a close and you're doing your cleaning, you you would bribe the kitchen god with pastries or candies or wine. 
You might even rub his lips, if it's a portrait and not calligraphy, with honey, so he'd tell the Jade Emperor sweet things about you. When the ritual was complete, the portrait is burned, and off he went to report to the Jade Emperor, and then his portrait was replaced with a new one. Oh. Mm-hmm. New Year's Eve and New Year's Day are usually set aside for family and honoring ancestors, called reunion dinners. In southern China, you might leave sugarcane stalks behind the door to represent the hope that you'll be climbing up that ladder or going up in life, to use some Western <laughs> terms of phrase. <laughs> Throughout the 15 days, there will be lion dances and fireworks culminating in the Lantern Festival. And a legend surrounding Lunar New Year's involves a vicious human flesh-eating creature oh. called Nian, which is the word for year, that is afraid of loud noises and fire. You know, your your firecrackers. Oh. The color red, which is why you see red a lot during this time. Red lanterns. Remain, red decorations. Yeah. Red, yeah. Around the red door. Red envelopes, all the things. Mm-hmm. And the story behind the Chinese zodiac goes like this. Ah. In ancient times, the Jade Emperor decided that the calendar should include animals. He decreed that the first 12 animals that arrived to his palace would be integrated into the calendar. Ah. Two pals... The cat and the rat were the first to hear this news, and they decided to start out early to arrive first. The cat, however, was notorious for sleeping late, and he asked <laughs> the rat to wake him up, which the rat promised to do. Oh, yeah, you see mm-hmm. where this is going. Uh, yeah, the rat forgot. <laughs> and in his, let's say, enthusiasm to wake the cat, and on his journey to the palace, he ran into a tiger, a horse, an ox, all of these much bigger and faster animals. The rat was not going to be left behind, though. He convinced the ox to let him hitch a ride on his back on the condition that the rat would sing the whole day, which, unless the rat was a fantastic singer, this sounds like a horrible deal to me. (laughs) I can't imagine any friends that I would be like, oh, yeah, you can ride for free in my car if you sing the entire time. Yeah, just the whole time. No. Actually, there's like, I have some very talented friends. but You do. You do. <laughs> I just feel like it'll wear, though. But anyway, <laughs> that's what the ox wanted. And the pair arrived before the other animals. But the rat jumped off and beat the ox to being the first one there. And by the time the cat groggily awoke, rubbed his eyes, and got to the palace, all 12 spots had been snatched up. And to this day, this is why the cat hunts and kills rats. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's a great, oh, that's a terrific fable. Yeah. <laughs> I like this. You can also use the zodiac symbols to tell time, apparently. I'm not going to go into it, but that's interesting. Yeah. It's a public holiday, as I mentioned before. Workers in China, Hong Kong, and some other countries that have a large Chinese population or any large population that celebrates, um, they get seven days off in a row, which means a lot of traveling. In 2016, Fortune magazine dubbed it the greatest travel nightmare of the year. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The seventh day of Lunar New Year is known as Common Person's Birthday and is the day that everyone grows a year older. So you have your birthday, the actual date, but it's the common person's birthday where you kind of acknowledge. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. The Gregorian calendar was officially adopted in China in 1912, but both January 1st and Lunar New Year were celebrated as New Year. Uh, That is until Mao Zedong and the Chinese Communist Party came into power in 1949. They banned celebrations of the Lunar New Year. The government grew more and more lax, though, and as the 20th century came to a close, 
it was more acceptable to participate in Lunar New Year's festivities once again. And once 1996 rolled around, the government put in place that week-long holiday. So it's a big, big celebration over there now. Yeah, yeah, not not small. No, and uh, let's let's talk about some of those things you might celebrate with food-wise. Yes. Well, those delicious foods, yeah. But first, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, food traditions for the Lunar New Year actually start a couple weeks beforehand with the Laba Festival, a harvest celebration with its own traditional porridge or kanji called Laba Porridge, or sometimes eight treasure porridge. Eight is a very lucky number. Yes. It's made of different kinds of rice, plus peanuts, dates, seeds, and so on. Uh, families may make batches to share with relatives and friends, and some Buddhist monasteries make giant batches to share with the whole community. And uh, yeah, it's kind of the official countdown yeah. to the new year. Yeah. It's when people start Building getting up. excited. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about that New Year's Eve feast. Yeah, that reunion, reunion dinner. dinner. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's celebrated with family, as we said, and it's one of the biggest meals of the year. It's like Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, for those that celebrate Lunar New Year, a lot of dishes served have to do with homonyms, which is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> In Cantonese, the word for good business is a homonym for oysters. So that's a frequent New Year's Eve item. The Cantonese word for shrimp sounds like laughter, so it shows up a bit too. Uh, mm-hmm. You might find clams on dinner tables because when they're cooked, they open up like the opening of new prospects or so you have hopes for in your new year. Jiaozi, our meat field dumplings enjoyed at midnight, is common in northern China. This also has to do with sounding similar to a word that means uh, meeting of the old and new year. The shape plays a role, too. It looks like a currency used in imperial China. And yet on another level, since the <laughs> process of making dumplings is time-consuming and involves a lot of people working together, it's seen as a way to bring peace to the family. In some families, a gold coin might be placed inside, granting whoever finds it even more luck. And hopefully not a broken tooth. Hopefully not. To showcase abundance for the last course of the New Year's feast, it's traditional to have fish, the word for which is a homonym for abundance or surplus. So you have the fish, but then you don't eat it. Oh. Yeah. Or depending on where you are. <laughs> you um, might. You might. Uh, but you have to leave some left over. Oh, okay. Yeah. The head of the fish is positioned facing the elders or guest as a sign of respect. For luck, the two people across from the head and tail are supposed to drink at the same time, which I imagine <laughs> causes some hilarity. If the fish is going to be eaten, the other guests have to wait until the person who the fish's head is facing has had the first bite. And this sounds very serious, but from what I read, it's all pretty lighthearted. During the New Year's holidays, a traditional greeting translates to, may we eat fish every year. Uh, yeah. If you're not eating the fish, a, a main protein might be a simple dish of chopped chicken that's been scalded and lightly boiled until it's white and then seasoned with sesame oil and served warm with a couple of dipping sauces. Uh, and uh, yeah, families spend the whole night together and uh, stay up until midnight, light fireworks, and uh, ring in the official New Year. Then. Yes. You wake up the first morning of the new year. You're with your family. You maybe have a couple singed fingers. Uh, you get dressed up in your best clothes and you start the celebration of this whole multi-week thing 
with a tea ceremony, wherein the younger generations offer cups of tea sweetened with candied fruits, along with words of good wishes to the older generations. The older generations respond with a red envelope, uh, traditionally filled with messages of good fortune, but these days usually containing a literal bit of good fortune in the form of paper money. With, I believe, specific denominations. It, there's, yeah, again, like like numbers yeah. can, can be very lucky or unlucky, and depending on uh, how close you are and, and what the different, right. yeah, it's, it's a really intricate system. It is. And I don't understand it, but no. it's great. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, and then uh, the feasting just continues for days. Yep, yep. Uh, anything fried is considered a symbol of wealth. It's sort of fancy, after all, to have access to so much fat. Also, that golden color. Uh, spring rolls in particular are popular. You know, the, the filling that's rolled in a thin dough and then fried because of their resemblance to bars of gold. Oh, long noodles for long life are eaten throughout the first five days. They can be up to two feet or a little over half a meter long. And these are made by uh, rolling up large sheets of dough and then slicing them crosswise into noodles. Whereas normal noodles might be cut into manageable threads, these are left uncut. I have enough trouble eating noodles anyway. I <laughs> would get into such... <laughs> There's even a picture somewhere someone took of me eating noodles because I... If you have long hair, it gets complicated. Oh, it's very, it's very tricky. You always have to have a hairband with you if you're gonna. I've, yeah, I've started just having one on my wrist. Yeah, because in case of noodles, <laughs> noodles can happen anytime. Anytime, and I want to be prepared. <laughs> um, pork, as with a lot of Western New Year's traditions, is seen as good luck food, symbolizing abundance and wealth. Turnip cakes are another popular option, especially in Taiwan, where it is associated with a phrase for good luck. It's traditional to do a lot of visiting with family and friends around the New Year, so it's always good to have easy snacks on hand. And this is formalized in a tray of togetherness, which is this platter of, of bite-sized sweets and snacks. A tray has eight compartments you can fill with different lucky foods, depending on what kinds of wishes specifically you want to offer your guests, and may or may not have a center space to receive red envelopes with, again, a little bit of literal fortune in mm -hmm. them. Um and so many different snacks can be on these trays. Uh, red or black dyed watermelon seeds for fertility, candied lotus root for abundance, candied winter melon or ginger for good health and longevity, uh, crispy little sesame seed balls or dried kumquats for prosperity, dried pineapple for business success. All of these uh, kind of golden foods. Yeah. Sweet golden stuff. Yeah, lovely. Other lucky dishes involve combining things whose names together means something fortuitous, um, like the combination of dates, peanuts, dried longan, and lotus seeds to form the phrase, to soon realize the birth of noble sons. Wow. Yeah, I, lo I love, like, all this wordplay and phrase smithery going on here. <laughs> and peanuts. Peanuts are associated with long life and fertility. Fruits like persimmons, peaches, oranges, mandarins, pomelos, and tangerines are all common Lunar New Year's food because they're gold skin represents prosperity and good fortune. And the word for gold is similar to the word for orange. The word for pomelo is similar to a word for prosperity or status. You want to buy them with the stems and leaves attached where possible because this has an added longevity bonus. So many fruits that I've seen in the local international markets make more sense now that I know that. I'm like, oh, oh, that's why <laughs> they still have the stems and leaves attached. Oh, yeah. I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah. 
Um, a dessert called Eight Treasures Rice Pudding is another way to get in some of those lucky ingredients. This is a uh, molded glutinous rice dish, uh, whole, whole grains of rice. You don't you don't pound them out. Uh, molded glutinous rice dish that's studied, studied, studded. <laughs> With uh, with candied plums or citrus or lotus seeds or nuts or red bean paste or what have you, and then uh, kind of kind of flipped or turned out of a dish and coated with sweet syrup. They're very pretty. Uh-huh. And lobster. This is a bad luck food in oh. Western New Year's culture, but it seems it's a good luck food for Lunar New Year's due to the fact it kind of looks like a dragon. Yeah. Chicken, which Lauren mentioned earlier, is it was also seen in our New Year's episode for Western New Year's traditions as bad luck. But in New Year's, Lunar New Year's is seen as good luck for Spring Festival, especially when served alongside the masculine lobster, since chicken is seen as feminine. Yeah, it's a, it's a feminine phoenix to the masculine dragon. Concept. Right. The pairing of the two is perceived as promoting a harmonious marriage or relationship. Is that, is it happy family? It's like some non-Chinese dish that we eat in America. That we eat, that's, but yeah. it's like, no, it's something phoenix. Phoenix and dragon is maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. A whole chicken is seen as a symbol of prosperity, um, but there are unlucky foods. Yes. Yes. Pears, apparently, and porridge. Anything in denominations of four, because the word for four sounds similar to the word for death. And kitchen work, sewing too, should be avoided in general because sharp objects are supposed to be avoided in general. So noted on noted on that. In Buddhism, it is tradition that on Lunar New Year, no animal should be killed. On top of that, vegetables are seen as purifying. So kind of similar to our whole detox thing we have associated with New Year in the West. Um, Buddhists might partake in a vegetable-packed dish called Buddha's Delight. Each of the vegetables involved frequently represent their own specific thing, too. Uh, okay, this sounds like a tangent, but it's not, I promise. Here in the American South, we have a somewhat humorous saying, the higher the hair, the closer to God. <laughs> I've never heard that. No? Oh, it's great. Um, and it's the same gig, though, with this traditional uh, fortune salad or prosperity salad. It's a combination of ingredients like a salmon or cuttlefish, carrot, radish, citrus, and uh, ginger shredded thin, which the family gathers around a bowl of and tosses high into the air with their chopsticks to mix up before eating. And the higher the salad goes, the greater the family's fortunes. Or perhaps the more the salad overflows the plate, the more abundance will overflow in your life. Um, it's traditional to eat this on that everybody's birthday mm-hmm. day, but it varies by family. That could be both fun and disastrous. I'm very clumsy. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid of getting a chopstick in the eye, honestly. But Yeah, I could definitely overflow the plate that oh, I can nail. <laughs> You'd be great at this. Yes. <laughs> Uh, we mentioned prosperity cakes earlier as being part of the Lantern Festival, and there are these uh, small individual rice flour cakes uh, that are leavened, and they're steamed really hot so that they rise quickly and their tops crack or, or blossom into these sections or petals or, or a smile. Um, some say that the more petals form, the luckier you'll be. And uh, the word for leavened sounds like the word for prosperous, so yeah. again, mm-hmm. yeah. Another Lantern Festival Day traditional dessert is uh, sweet and sticky rice dumplings. They use fine ground glutinous rice flour to make a dough, which may be then filled with sweet and savory paste, usually a red bean or peanut or sesame or golden mung bean 
paste. And you might serve these in a soup of ginger syrup or uh, or sweetened hot water. Oh, man. I'm getting so hungry. <laughs> There's also a larger sticky rice cake called a nyan gao in Mandarin, made with glutinous rice flour and decorated with red dates, usually served warm or in slices fried. And if y'all have never had a sweet glutinous rice dough served warm. It's the same thing as, as mochi, if, if you're familiar with uh, with Japanese. It's um, uh, so frequently in America ice cream filled for reasons yeah. I'm still not entirely sure of. Uh, but but yeah, it's, it's it's the same thing as mochi dough. But when it when it's warmed up like that, it's got this sort of like sticky tacky uh, texture, sort of like a less sweet hot caramel sauce. Mm-hmm. More solid, less. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very interesting gummy sort of texture that that I enjoy, but that can be difficult Yes, to to uh, to get right, and I I think that Robert and Joe have stories about that. I believe they do. A little bit later on, to close out the festival on the last day, round dumplings that resemble the full moon are shared amongst family members. Again, in the spirit of family unity, apparently it's a tradition for single ladies to write their phone numbers on mandarin oranges and then throw them to the sea for their true love to find and. You know, I can't say there's any other better method. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in Tinder personally, so I, I mean, mean, you know. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> uh, so that's kind of China Lunar New Year, but there are definitely other other countries and traditions. Yeah, there's so many. We've got just a couple to talk to you about. But first, we're going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes. Okay, so here are a few that uh, we ran across, um, popular ones. Um, This one is from Korea, Toku. And I'm so sorry if I butchered that. I watched the video, but you know, in and out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is a huge part of South Korea's New Year's tradition. It's a bowl of soup with egg, beef, vegetables, thin slices of rice cake, and optionally kimchi or dumplings, I know it sounds really good, that's eaten at the start of the Lunar New Year. It represents health, longevity, and it's sort of a birthday soup. Um, If you don't eat it, you won't get one year older. Oh, no. If you eat two, you'll get two years older. (laughs) It's sort of the story behind it. Uh Um, In fact, instead of asking how old someone is, you can ask them how many bowls of this they've eaten. Oh, wow. That's some pretty important soup right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Slightly less intense, uh, but also from Korea, you've got um, dasik or tea cookies. These are little melt-in-your-mouth treats that are made from sesame seed powder and sugar syrups. Uh, Rice and honey syrups are traditional they're a little savory and very sweet and sort of powdery on the palate, almost like a like a well-baked pie dough. And they're often molded into coin shapes stamped with these pretty patterns and flavored with things like green tea or pine pollen and stacked as high as possible. <laughs> uh, uh, ben, our, our co-worker, Ben Bolin, um, his, his uh, uh, lovely partner, Brandy, brought some of these in for us one time. Oh, really? I can't say that they're necessarily to my taste, but I might not. It, like the texture was strange for me, but mm-hmm. I could see where people who liked them would like them very much. You can understand. Yeah. Yeah, they were pretty delightful. Yeah. These were the two that we ran across mostly, and I know there have to be so many more. Oh, dozens, hundreds. 
there's only so many research hours in a day. It's true, but please send us any that we missed. Oh, um, absolutely. And uh, and we can completely do more other episodes in the future about some. I mean, I would I think that I could I could definitely talk an entire episode about dumplings. Oh, we have to. It's necessary. Yeah. About several different several episodes for several different kinds of dumplings, probably. Oh, yeah. Just like a dough filled type thing. That's a huge undertaking. We could have a mini series. <laughs> the dumpling mini series. The dumpling year. <laughs> year. Year Ooh. of dumplings. I would tune in. Oh, I would be so hungry the entire time. Yes. Uh, but this brings us to our much built up guest segment. Yes. Guest segment sound effect. Welcome to the studio. Guests, would you like to introduce yourselves? Uh, sure. I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and we are the hosts of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, another podcast here in the Stuff family. It's really a privilege to be here with y'all. Oh, thank you so much for yes. coming. I'm so oh, excited. Yeah. Our first guest. Yeah. This is great. Well, it seemed perfect because you guys were doing this episode for Lunar New Year, and uh, we have some episodes coming out for Chinese New Year. It seemed uh, like it was meant to cross over. Yes, it was meant to be. So are y'all establishing any guest rituals here? Like, do you ask people, what have you eaten today? <laughs> oh, that's a good one, actually. Do you, I mean, do you want to share? Sure. Uh, my answer, honestly, would be, let's see, it would be a bagel that was provided by my employer. Uh-huh. With, okay, was it toasted? Uh, yeah, a toasted spinach and cheese topped bagel. Okay. With veggie cream cheese. Okay. And a bag of pretzel goldfish. <laughs> that's your... <laughs> That's your meal for so, the day. Yeah, plain white carbs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's still day left, listeners. Yeah. So and there's time. Cheese on there. Yes. Um, I discovered earlier people have very strong opinions about bagels. So I want to come back to that topic <laughs> so badly one day. <laughs> How about you, Robert? Uh, Trader Joe's Indian food. That's. Ooh, that's yeah. Good. Yeah. They make a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's some good stuff right there. Mm-hmm. So tell us about your upcoming Lunar New Year episodes. Well, we have two of them. Uh, one is a discussion of the, the fabulous terracotta warriors of, uh-huh. uh, of China and and uh, and what we know about the as yet unbreached mausoleum of the first sovereign emperor. I think that, yeah, the first emperor of China, Qin Shi Huang. Mm-hmm. And I think after doing this episode, I'm convinced that his tomb is, well, we haven't been in his tomb, but his general death area, the necropolis, the, the you know, where all of that stuff is, is like the coolest ancient death zone in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like cooler than the pyramids right yeah i, I would definitely say so uh, yeah. but, but then it's new to me it's fresh to me right yeah. now so oh, when you guys sat down i was like oh i'm sure y'all are going to be talking about very different things for your lunar new year episodes than <laughs> we, we did are. not and touch on ancient death zones. yeah i i have no nothing about death zones in my notes yeah but that's great <laughs> and uh, the, the other episode is the chinese typewriter right oh yeah so we have an interview with uh what is he, a techno-historian, sort of? Yeah. Uh, Tom, yeah, Thomas Mullaney, who wrote a book called The Chinese Typewriter, A History, and it is about the quest to create a, a way of translating typewriter-style technology to the Chinese written language, which doesn't have a phonetic alphabet, or it doesn't primarily use, use one. Use it, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so th- that's that's going to be a fun discussion for everyone. I think it ha- it has a little something for everybody, whether you're into technology or Chinese history and culture, or just you know, what happens when one techno linguistic system crashes into another. Yeah, yeah, it sounds really fascinating. Um, and you also have a story for us about a particular type of Lunar New Year food that you're familiar with, right? 
Yes, yes. So you guys asked, well, what are our personal histories with some of these traditional foods? And I, I do have kind of a fun story about the, the, the Nine Gao, the glutinous New Year cake. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this was a couple of years ago. My my son was three, and we went up to uh, Chinatown Mall here in Atlanta. Uh-huh. We went into the little grocery store there, and uh, I, I wanted to purchase a traditional treat for Chinese New Year. Uh, so I, I happened to see w- one of these cakes, and I, I have to describe the package here. It was it looks like the package of a toy, right? Um, or maybe one of those uh, like rubbery fish that you put in a bathtub and you watch it grow. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is in fact one of these glutinous New Year's cakes in the shape of a koi fish, and then covered with a plastic mold that gives it the golden orange uh, <laughs> coloration uh, of a koi fish. So was it not golden orange underneath? No, it was it was this pale white, like it's actually a, a, oh, a koi weird. fish from a, a subterranean lake. <laughs> no, I've seen two primary different colorings on the Niangao cakes. Like one is the pale white ones and the other is like the brown or golden brown ones. Do you think the difference is whether you caramelize the sugar you put in? Um, I believe that some are made with brown sugar and some are made with uh, white processed sugar. Yes, oh, okay. but uh, but I'm but I'm not. Don't don't quote me on this. I'm I'm not totally positive. I've not made my own young gal. Not positive. Well, I, my guess would be that this one was definitely processed and it was definitely <laughs> mass produced. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is it it is almost certainly not a good representation of the culinary tradition. No, that thing was stamped out of a gas powered machine. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I took it down, shared it with in-laws in Mississippi. They were all very polite, uh, but clearly suspicious of the whole process. <laughs> there were three possible ways to cook uh, the Nangao uh, on the back of the package, and I, I, I don't read uh, uh, Chinese, so I wasn't able to really make too much sense of it. But we, I think we went the microwave route. It came out very <laughs> tough and rubbery. Oh, no. <laughs> I think but, it's uh, usually supposed to be steamed, right? Well, that was one of the the possible ways to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it had like three different uh, recipes. Yeah, uh, I mean, the good news was that it did not run around and ransack the town. Oh, right. that's good. Yeah. So I I was just before we I've never had a glutinous rice cake like that, uh, but I have I have had little like um not like not all Nyangao are sweet. They're apparently like savory dishes. I uh-huh. think especially maybe Southern Chinese savory dishes. That uh, involved the, the the rice cake, so I've tried to make one of those one time, and it did not turn out well. But I'm not going to blame it on the cakes. I'm going to say it's probably because I did a bad job. Okay. But yeah. uh, so I've never had the sweet version. I was trying to look up videos about it to see what it was like, and one video I found on the old YouTube's was a reading of a great illustrated children's book called The Runaway Rice Cake. Yes, <laughs> what? It, it made me wish I had a kid I could read this book to. <laughs> It, it's a fun one. I actually you showed me the book, and I I actually borrowed a copy of this from the library in recent months and, uh-huh. and read it to my son. It's uh-huh. it's a pretty fun, fun uh, fun book. And I think at the end, did he like it? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he loved it. It uh, at at the end, the the rice cake like sacrifices itself and lets itself uh, be eaten by an old woman. Oh, oh yeah. wow! It's a story about generosity. Huh. Yeah. So like, oh, there's yeah. a family with not much to eat uh, to celebrate New Year's, but they have. A, they have this rice cake that the mother makes, and they're excited about it. It's going to be really sweet, but it runs out of the house, and mm-hmm. some pigs try to eat it, and they chase <laughs> it. But they eventually end up sharing it with this poor old woman. She eats the whole thing herself. And I won't spoil the ending for you, but the <laughs> gods are happy with this. Oh, oh, wow. Well, what a riveting read it sounds. I, yeah. 
<laughs> Joe, you also sent us a, an Amazon product you found right oh, before yeah. you came in. Well, I was trying to figure out. So, if you want to make Neon Gao at home, are there like, uh, are there like products you need? So, I was searching for it in the food section on Amazon, but I found instead a a rice cake mold to make fish shaped rice cakes, ah. the same way you you were talking about, Robert. Ah, but. The product description was like perfect for concrete. <laughs> I <don't know>. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you got a lot of concrete, you need to use that. I, I'm all for multitasking. I I don't know. Uh, should you generally use the same things on concrete that you use to make food? Maybe um, it doesn't matter. I <laughs> haven't, but I guess some people are have very different kitchen habits than I do. I mm-hmm. future mm-hmm. episode, perhaps. Absolutely. Are there any other food traditions that either of you do? <laughs> No, sorry. I just got a great idea. You should use the mold to make a bunch of rice cakes for your friends, but put a couple of concrete ones in. Oh, just slip them in there. You know, break their teeth. Yeah. (laughs) Hilarious. (laughs) If there was an April Fool's of New Year's, of Chinese New Year, then that would be perfect for that one. Mm. It would be. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Keep that in the back pocket. (laughs) Yeah. Are there any other food traditions that either of you like to do for Lunar New Year's? I can't honestly say I've ever made a celebration of Lunar New Year's, but I want to this year. I want oh, to yeah. do it for the first time because a lot of the Lunar New Year foods I've been reading about are things I love to cook. I, I love dumplings. I love mustard greens. I love fish. Uh, I haven't yet figured out the appeal of the glutinous rice cake, but I bet <laughs> I could I bet I could find that happiness. Yeah, <laughs> I believe so. I guess my main goal is I would just like to have a good one, uh, an authentic one uh-huh. this year, if possible. So I'm thinking somebody in town has to has to have a like a proper home cooked or Ooh, yeah. uh, you know small kitchen uh, solution here. Yeah, I, I know that a few Chinese restaurants in town definitely do. Like Canton House, I think does a thing okay. every year. Stuff yeah, like that, but. yeah. Or uh, I, I keep holding out hope that uh, Sweet Hut Bakery will have something oh. because they do a great job with the the moon cakes right, at Autumn right. Moon Festival. They have like the traditional kind and kind of a fusion approach. So I, I'm, I'm hoping they have a similar approach uh, in store for me with the uh, with the glutinous rice cake. Yeah, here's hoping. Have y'all heard about the supposed significance of the rice cake? The because gao, I think, is a word that also means like higher or higher up. So it's often associated with the idea of like becoming more prosperous or advancing. Yeah, oh. like like ever increasing prosperity, something like that. Right? Yeah. Um, well, thank you both so much for yeah. coming on, being our first guest. And due to, I, don't, I guess you could argue, better timing than us, their episodes will be coming out actually near Lunar New Year, whereas oh, ours is, is coming out before. This is near? That, that's nearby? Yes, yeah, it's, it's nearby. It's still in the, the lead up, the celebrational yeah, uh, up. You know, approach. You and go. then we'll pass the baton to you. <laughs> um, so their episodes are coming out um, February 16th-ish? Oh, the week of, yes. The week of, mm-hmm. okay. And we might probably... Uh, gonna guest on there as well. So yeah. look for that, listeners, and check them out anyway. They're they're awesome. Yeah. Not to blow your mind. All right. Thanks for having us on. Thanks so Thank much. You. And we're back. Thank you, guests. Yes. Hopefully they won't be our last guests. Oh yeah. Well, I don't know. We have like the best food things to talk about though. Yeah. And sometimes we have snacks. Yeah, we're kinda we're kinda plotting. We're kinda plotting to get a few more people here in the studio with us in the in the near future. So hopefully that'll work out. Yes. But now it brings us to listener mail. Yes. So our first listener mail is from Julie, who sent us this. 
Your episodes on brunch and tipping were especially great as someone who bartended brunch for many years. So many mimosas poured. <laughs> I once was opening a sparkling wine bottle while not really paying attention. The cork shot out of the bottle right at my eye. Oh! Luckily, as I rarely woke up in time to fully make up my face and such for these early shifts, I was wearing my glasses that day. Oh. The glasses saved me from a black eye and only sustained a minor chip on the edge of the lens that made me laugh a little every time I put them on. Oh, I'm so glad that that turned out like that. Me too. Oh. And see, I have, I overcame a fear of opening sparkling wine bottles, thanks to Lauren, and food stuff. But this is what I'm talking about right here. <laughs> just put a towel over it. It's going to be fine. I'm just going to, like, I need safety goggles and a hair a hair tie at all times. Yeah. I, actually, I was about to say, like, I feel like safety goggles would be a really good choice for you. You're a little bit accident prone. Yeah. A little bit. A little <laughs> bit. <laughs> uh, Ty wrote in about our cupcake episode. Flashback to my junior year of high school in the state of Texas. I was in love with the show Cupcake Wars, so much so that I wanted to start making all the cupcakes I saw on the show. I did. And since I was an only child, I just started passing them out at school. That was until I couldn't afford to do that anymore. So I turned it into a job where I would sell each cupcake for a dollar. While making about two dozen per batch, and each batch costing me about eight to ten bucks, it was about a $14 profit margin, which in high school is great. I would sell to kids before lunch because they were hungry. I would sell to kids after lunch because they were still hungry. Our school had recently gotten rid of vending machines, so if you wanted a snack outside of lunch, you were just out of luck other than me. By the end of the junior year, I had raised enough money for a trip to Chicago, all expenses paid, buy cupcakes. We even started to go legit and sell cupcakes with our very own website, but that business is now closed. We were called Delight-Filled Cupcakes because every cupcake had a sweet filling. That's fantastic. Oh, entrepreneurship. It's terrific. Yes. And I believe he also tweeted at us that you can freeze cupcakes oh, frosting. Yeah, same tie. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe yeah. so. Oh. How many ties could be listening? Ooh. I don't know. It could be a lot. We both <laughs> looked to our producer, Dylan, like he would have the answer. <laughs> three. He says Dylan three. says three. Thank you, Dylan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks to both of them for writing in. You, too, can write us in. And please do so if you have any more Lunar New Year traditions or anything else you want to let us know about. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at FoodStuffHSW. We're also on Instagram at FoodStuff. We hope to hear from you. Thank you so much to aforementioned amazing producer Dylan Fagan. And uh, thanks to y'all for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. 
Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 